0: Hi, folks. We want to welcome you to our adult Sunday school time here at the Kerwinsville Christian Church, and uh, we're so glad that you're with us this morning. We're going to be starting a new series in our uh, survey of the Old Testament. We just finished First uh, and Second Samuel and First Chronicles, the Days of the King, and so we're moving ahead now into the next three historical books and uh, we're going to be talking about 1st and 2nd Kings and 2nd Chronicles. So today's lesson, Lesson 1, is going to be really an introductory lesson. It's going to cover some material that we need to know as far as the background of the books that we're going to approach, but also as far as how to approach a historical narrative, because that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about a historical book or books, with regards to 1st and 2nd Kings and 2nd Chronicles. So we're just going to go through some material today just to get you familiar with how to approach these books, uh, to get the most out of them and allow the Lord to speak to you through these books. So let's talk about the nature of historical books. There's a couple things that you and I need to understand, actually a few things that you and I need to understand about historical books. First of all, historical books are known as narratives, or you could say stories, okay? Narrative sounds a little bit better than just stories because stories has its own connotation with that, but these are known as the narratives. Now, biblical narratives tell us about what happened, but not just any things, So when you talk about a biblical narrative, a historical book, it's going to tell you about what happens. But it's not just anything, nor is it necessarily everything that's being told to you about what happens. It's just what you need to know from the perspective of God's people and from the perspective of Yahweh, from God. Now, they're not just stories about people who lived in Old Testament times. Sometimes we view the historical narratives as such. Well, you know, we go to the book of Judges to hear about the story of Samson. Or if we want to know about the story of Saul, King Saul, we go to 1 Samuel. Or if we want to know about young David, we go to 1 Samuel. But if we want to know about David and his sin and that story, we go to 2 Samuel. Well, These are not just stories about people who lived in Old Testament times. There's a purpose for these narratives, and we're going to see that as we go through them. They are stories about what God did to and through his people. That's what we're going to see here. We're going to see about God's interaction with his people and how they responded to him and how they worshipped him. So that's what we're going to see here with these historical books. You also need to recognize, because this is something that happened soon after the apostles died and as we entered into a Gentile-dominated church, which really didn't have an understanding of the Old Testament, they began to spiritualize or allegorize the narratives to bring meaning to their context at their time and that's still happening today. And here's what you need to understand about historical narratives. They are not all they're not allegories or stories filled with hidden meanings. So you don't read 1st and 2nd Kings to try to find some spiritualized lesson for you. These are stories about what God did in and through his people at that time and what their mistakes were. And you can learn something from that, but these are not to be allegorized. And here's the other thing about these stories. They do not always teach directly. When you talk about something that you're going to see in the historical narratives, they're not always teaching us something directly. So you need to just recognize that. Now, each narrative or story within a narrative does not necessarily have a moral all its own. You don't go to a historical book and try to find morals from the way God's people act. Because what you're going to find is is that sometimes they make wrong decisions. And simply because they did it doesn't mean that you can do it because a lot of times they face consequences but you also have to recognize with regards to the nature of the historical narratives you may not know necessarily all of the consequences if any of the consequences that they faced because they're not listed in this historical narrative now here's what i want you to understand a narrative does not directly teach a doctrine you're not going to go to first and second kings nor to Second Chronicles and look for doctrine there. That's not the purpose of this book or these books. These, these books were not written to teach you doctrine. Now, they usually illustrate a doctrine or doctrines taught prepositionally somewhere else. So, yeah, you may not go there to find a doctrine, but you may see an example of something that is taught somewhere else in the scripture. So they illustrate doctrinal positions or points somewhere else that you and I need to recognize and see. Now here's what I need you to understand. They record what happened, not necessarily what should have or ought to have happened. So for instance, we're going to get to a story where King Jehoshaphat goes up and visits King Ahab. King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, goes up and visits the king of Samaria, the northern kingdom, kingdom Ahab, and they're getting ready to go and battle against the Syrians. And they're having all these prophets come, these northern kingdom prophets, which are basically false prophets. And Jehoshaphat says, is there not a, a prophet of the Lord here? Well, Ahab says, well, there's this one guy, but he always speaks badly about me. And, of course, uh, you know, we can go get him. So he sends for him from the prison. The guy comes, and he gives a prophecy concerning Ahab's death. Now, it doesn't end out like you always think it should end out. Like, wow, the man of God did what he was supposed to do, and so things are going to go good for him. Well, we never hear what happened to him. The last thing we hear is he's sent back to prison. This is how n- historical narratives in the scripture work. They record what happened, not necessarily what should have or ought to have happened. That's the point you need to recognize here. What I also need you to understand is, is what people do is not necessarily a good example to the reader. What people do in this book doesn't necessarily make for a good example of how you and I should live in our lives today. As they face the circumstances and situations that they're going through, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to face a circumstance that is in good way as well. Now, this is definite as far as when you talk about what we're going to see here in these narratives, most of the characters are far from perfect and their actions are too so most of them are far from perfect we're going to meet some great prophets in this book we're going to meet some great kings godly kings but i'm going to be honest with you they're far from perfect and they do wrong things and we're going to see that in the historical books We're not always told the end of a narrative, whether what happened was good or bad. We already kind of referenced that earlier. You're not going to necessarily see the end of the story. And it doesn't always turn out right. You're going to be introduced to people and then you're going to wonder what happened to them. Well, you don't know. The reason is is that there's a purpose, an overall purpose with the book. And they were brought in to help in bringing us to where we need to go as far as what God's Spirit wants us to see from this book. All narratives are selective and incomplete. So for instance, you might see an incident that's recorded here, but maybe it's also recorded in some other historical references and so forth from that ancient time. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that probably what's recorded there is not necessarily all of the information. But here's what you need to understand. It's only the information that God wanted you to see. He didn't include all of the details of this battle or this kingship. Only what you need to see with reference to the overall story, the overall narrative. They are not written to answer all of our theological questions. When you and I read the historical narratives, they are not written to basically give you an answer to your deep theological questions that you're wrestling with. There are other books of the Bible that we can turn to that will help us with that. Now, here's what I want you to see. They teach either explicitly, that's cl- clearly stating, or implicitly, clearly implying. So when you read something here in the in the these historical narratives, you're going to see that they clearly state something, but sometimes they just imply something. That's the nature of the historical books. Implicit does not mean secret. So just so you understand that, when we talk about something that's being implied here doesn't necessarily mean that it's secret. This is something that's going on a lot today in our culture. Really, it's gone on for centuries since the Gnostics in that first century church. And the reality is is that people think that there is something secret here. There's There's not anything secret with these books. And simply because there's an implicit lesson here doesn't mean that it's a secret lesson for only a few to see and know. God is the hero of all Old Testament narratives. Recognize that and understand it. When we look at the prophet Elijah, when we look at his his successor later, Elisha, when we look at at Isaiah, and when we look at Hezekiah and, and, and Jehoshaphat and all of these folks, They're not the heroes in regards to everything that's going on. The hero of these Old Testament narratives, 1st and 2nd Kings, 2nd Chronicles, is God, Yahweh. You and I need to understand that. Well, let's get right into it. We're going to do some background material to help you to understand the books that we're going to look at. So we're going to look at 1st and 2nd Kings. And then we're going to look at 2 Chronicles. So let's talk about uh, the nature of these books. And we're going to, first of all, focus on the title. Okay? The title. And what we see here is, is that First and 2 Kings originally were one book in Hebrew. So when you go to the Hebrew text, it's not two separate books. It's one book. Okay, now we saw that with 1st and 2nd Kings. We also saw that when we looked at 1st Chronicles. It's not two books in each one of those categories. We have, in Christendom, divided them over the last few hundred years. They were originally one book in Hebrew. It was called Kings because it covers the history of the kings of Judah and Israel. Now, let me just stop. When we get into this, you're going to see at first that it covers the kingship of Solomon with the United Kingdom. Now, after Solomon's death, there is a rebellion by the northern tribes, and it becomes the kingdom of Judah to the south, which is Judah and Benjamin, and the ten tribes to the north, the kingdom of Israel, or would also be referred to later As Samaria. So Kings really covers the history of these kings from both Judah and Israel. Now Jerome, one of the early church fathers, the Latin uh, church father who wrote uh, the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the scriptures, he called the two books the book of kings. He called, because he saw them as one book, He called it the book of Kings, okay? Now, let's talk about who the author is of Kings. The identity of the author is unknown. We have no clue who wrote this book, these books, to us. We don't understand who the book writer is. Now, there is some speculation as to who he might be. He may have been an exile who lived in Babylon, So this might have been one of the Hebrews who were taken into captivity for that 70 year of captivity to Babylon. And he wrote the books of 1st and 2nd Kings. The author utilized various source materials in writing 1st and 2nd Kings. So what we're going to see here is, is he didn't just rely on one piece of information or one source, but really used various sources to compile his information into these historical narratives of First and 2 Kings. The book, though, even though there may be multiple sources, the book bears the marks of a single rather than multiple authorship. So this is one author, because of the style of the way it was written, who wrote this one book, or what we would call two books, of First and Second Kings. Now, when you and I talk about First and Second Kings, we, we really need to understand some general observations. So we're talking about historical narratives here. So rather than thinking about your history book that you looked at when you were in college or in high school, or even now, if maybe you are in high school as you currently are looking at. This is not a Western history, but an ancient Near Eastern theological history. There's a difference here. Western histories just kind of list the facts of what was going on. This is a little bit different in that this is about God. And this is also reflective of the ancient Near East and how they dictated and showed things. And so I need you to see that. The book of Kings were written to teach the lessons of history. These are written not just to record history, but to teach the lessons of history. Now, here's what you're going to see. All the kings of the north are condemned because of the golden calves that represent Yahweh. Now, what you're going to see is is when we see the kingdom divided under Jeroboam, He's the one who leads the rebellion. He becomes the first king of the northern kingdom. We're going to see that he institutes two golden calves. We're going to see why here soon. But he basically leads the northern ten tribes into idolatry. And every subsequent king after that, up until the time of the Assyrian evasion and captivity of the northern kingdom, basically is listed in the text as saying, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord and was condemned. Basically, they are all condemned, all of the kings of the north are all condemned because of their idolatry. And it's almost, can I be honest with you, some kind of syncretism in the sense that they're worshiping other idols, but in many instances they talk about the Lord as if they're worshiping him as well. But the reality is, is they are steeped in idolatry and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And You're going to see that phrase when we go through 1st and 2nd Kings. What we're going to see here is that Kings, 1st and 2nd Kings, show the progressive deviation of of the people of God from the Mosaic Covenant. So for instance, we're going to see that, that main historical event that everybody talks about and refers to where Elijah is up on Mount Carmel. He builds his altar. They douse it with water many times. He calls down and prays down fire from heaven. Everybody there bows their face to the ground and says, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. They kill the prophets of Baal and Asheroth. Well, you would think, okay, revivals come to the northern kingdom. They're going to turn their hearts back to the Lord. Actually, what we're going to see is the record says it has little or no impact at all. God showing up in that mighty way had little or no impact. They continue in their deviation from the Lord. So if we're going to talk about dividing the book, if we're going to talk about how do we approach the book, the book of 1 Kings can be divided into three main sections. Three main sections. So if you'll notice on your screen, I've given you a structure of the book of 1 Kings. So you're going to see there that the first structure, the second and the third sections, I have underneath that the chapters that are divided within those sections, and you see the chapter notations there. So with that, we could basically give you a basic outline of the books of First and 2 Kings, well, with regards here, first of all, to 1 Kings. So the first section, which would be 1 Kings chapter 1 through chapter 11, deals with King Solomon. Chapter 12 through chapter 14, verse 31, talks about the kingdom divided. So basically, we're going to be looking at the division of the kingdom between Rehoboam to the south, the son of David, and Jeroboam with regards to the northern kingdom. Then chapters 15, verse 1 through chapters 22 verse 33 we're going to see a record of the kings of the north and the kings of the south so we're going to see the northern and southern kingdoms and the record through the years that are recorded in first kings now let's talk about second kings the book of second kings can be divided into two main sections so when we look at second kings We're basically going to divide the book into two sections. So again, I just want you to notice the structure of the book of 2 Kings as it's noticed there on your screen. We're going to talk, first of all, from chapter 1 through 17, uh, we're going to look at the whole issue of the northern and southern kingdoms again. So there's stories, narratives from both kingdoms. It ends at 17 because at 17, the end of 17, we see the northern kingdom being taken into exile, captivity by the Assyrians. So then you begin with chapter 18 through the end of the book of 2 Kings and it talks about the remaining kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on in that book. So again, here is the outline. We see the northern and southern kingdoms in chapters 1 through chapter 17 of 2 Kings. And then we see the kingdom of Judah in chapter 18 through chapter 25. Well, that brings us to the book of 2 Chronicles. Now, we've looked at this material before when we looked at First and 2 Samuel and First Chronicles. So the material concerning Chronicles is very much the same as that time. But, so this may be a refresher for you guys, uh, because again, First and Second Chronicles were one book. Okay. So the name of the book in Hebrew is the words or events of the days or years. The Septuagint entitled it the things. Omitted. So the writers, the translators of the Hebrew text into the Koine Greek, into the Greek text at that time, which was called the Septuagint, referred to this book as the things omitted. The things omitted. So Jerome entitled it the Chronicle of the Whole Sacred History. He is the one who referred to it as the Chronicle. And because of that, it's been referred as Chronicles ever since. They were originally one book in Hebrew which was divided by the Septuagint. So the Septuagint is the one who divided it into two books. Concerning the author, the Bible itself is silent. So again, we do not know who the author of Chronicles is. Now, there's some speculation, but we can't say for sure. What kind of speculation, George? Well, Jewish tradition has suggested it was Ezra, the priest. So Ezra, of course, came back from the exile back to Palestine, and he is the one who is believed to have written First and Second Chronicles. It became customary to refer to the author as the chronicler. And you're going to watch as we go through chronicles. I will refer to him as the chronicler. They could not have been written later than the end of the 5th century B.C. So as far as the date of this book, it can't be any later than the end of the 5th century B.C., So 500 B.C. There are two texts in the books that imply a period after the return of the exile for the writing. So there is two texts within this uh, book. One is at the very end of the book with regards to the decree of Cyrus, which talked about the return of Israel to um, Israel. uh, the Promised Land to the to the land of Israel. Now, with regards to Second Chronicles, it primarily focuses on God's promises to the house of David. What you're going to notice is, is that when we talk about Second Chronicles, the whole section of Second Chronicles is going to focus on the southern kingdoms, kingships within the kingdom on the house of David or the dynasty of David. Now there might be some reference to the northern kingdom only with regards to fighting them or at one point even marrying into the the house of Ahab. But it's going to be primarily focused on the whole issue of the lineage of David. There's also an emphasis on all of God's people being united here. And we're going to see that in 2 Chronicles as well. All right, so let's talk about an outline of 2 Chronicles. How would we divide this book? Well, the book of 2 Chronicles can be divided into two main sections. Okay? So when we look at 2 Chronicles, we're going to see that primarily it's divided into two main sections. There is a small section, a few chapters, and then pretty much most of it will be the second section. So if you'll notice here on your screen, again, I've given you a structure of the book of Second Chronicles for you to see. Again, the two main sections and then how each topic is listed with their chapter references with regards to the book of Second Chronicles. And with that, here's how we would divide Second Chronicles. So chapter 1 through chapter 9 deals with King Solomon. Now when we look at this, there's going to be some similar things with regards to the first kings. However, there's going to be some other material that is presented in a different way in this book. Then when we come to chapters 10 through chapter 36, we're going to see the Davidic dynasty, the house of David and every king from Solomon, that is, Rehoboam, unto the very end with the capture and the killing of Zedekiah in Second Chronicles. And so that's what we're going to see here with regards to this book. Now, we're going to really launch out from here into a study that's really going to give us a perspective of where God's people are at, both in the northern and southern kingdoms. We're going to see their victories. We're going to see an awful lot of their defeats. We're going to see their captivity. And and to be honest with you, there are some lessons to be learned from this. And we can ask God to show us those lessons. But these are important books for you and I to understand where Israel was at at this time period, and it also helps us to understand some of the later books. For instance, the prophets, such as Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Isaiah. That all gives us a framework here, as well as the minor to 12 minor prophets, to understand the, really the setting that they proclaimed and preached in. And so that helps you to understand what's going on here. So next week, we're going to launch right into our first lesson, looking at King Solomon. And so I hope you're going to be with us next week as we move on to lesson two.